Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew, and we're in the Sermon of the Mount. We've been here for a few weeks. But we've been looking at the various things that Jesus was telling the people there. And I want to—I just want to, before we talk about this subject of prayer, I just want to set the setting for you a little bit, because that'll help us to understand what Jesus is going to talk about here. He's talking to primarily people who were just common folk. They were people who maybe had messed up. They weren't the accepted. You have to understand, in the Jewish culture of that day, there was an elite that kind of ran the country, the aristocracy and the priesthood. Then there was this middle class, and they tended to be very conservative religiously and and and, and almost very legalistic. And then there was everybody else that the first two groups would call the sinners, the common people. And this is who Jesus is attracting as he's on this mountain, on this hillside, teaching that day. And they're, they're following Jesus because Jesus is bringing a message of grace that they possibly have a place in the kingdom and what they need to do in the kingdom. And how he's teaching them that day, he's kind of contrasting what was the religious culture of that day and their legalism and their hypocrisy with what it is to be a true follower of God. And so we've talked about the heart issues. And we've looked at proper motivation. Last week we talked about proper motives in our service for God. This week he's going to talk about proper motives in our prayer. Now here's the thing. Two things I see here when it comes to the issue of prayer. Because two things that I see that it really make up the struggle that we have with prayer. Did you recognize that, that prayer is a struggle? I think if most people were honest, they would have to say that really prayer is a struggle for them. First of all, finding time to do it. Also knowing how to pray. And all of that. It, it really is a struggle. And there's two reasons why it's a struggle for us. Here's, here's two things. Number one, many people don't understand the privilege of prayer. Many people don't understand the privilege of prayer. What do you mean by that, they don't understand the privilege of prayer? I think everybody here understands about prayer, George. What do you mean by they don't understand the privilege of prayer? Well, the problem is is that many of us have, shall I say it, some messed up thinking about prayer. For many of us, we think of prayer as simply some sort of religious exercise, some task to be completed. Some some ritual that we have to go through. What we pray before we eat. We pray before us in a service. We, we pray this and that or another. And we think of it in terms of some religious exercise. And, and that's why, the, and in fact, let's be honest, the church culture has made it that way. And not just the church culture, but religious culture has made it that way. It's a religious exercise. And so we, we don't understand the privilege of prayer. But let me, let me help you understand what the privilege of prayer is. Take a relationship with someone. Maybe it's a husband-wife relationship, parent-child relationship. And I want you to take for a moment the thought of the communication that takes place in that relationship. What would happen to that relationship, folks, if there was no communication? What would happen to that relationship? Is it going to progress? It dies. It dies a cruel death, doesn't it? 
If there's no communication going on between the parties. Now here's the problem. Here's what we've done. We've taken the word prayer and we've made it this religious thing that we've got to do when we forget that it's really the privilege of being able just to talk to God. It's a privilege that you and I both have and have been given. It's about talking to God. So the first thing we struggle is we don't understand the privilege of prayer. We, we see it as this something that, it's, it's something else that we do. And, and here's what happens. False concepts of prayer intimidate us. False concepts of prayer intimidate us. What do you mean they intimidate us? Well, you don't believe how many times I've heard in the years that I've been pastoring, when I've sat down with a group of men to pray, somebody will inevitably say to me, you know, George, I really don't like praying out loud because I don't pray like you. I'm not a preacher. So? I wasn't always a preacher either. What's the deal? Well, the deal is, is that gentleman or that lady has a false concept of what prayer is. And in their mind, and you can develop this, especially if you grew up in church, you understand what I'm saying? If you grew up in church, your concept of prayer is the dude or dudette who gets called every week to pray, and they get up there, and their language is so holy and so lofty, and the way they pray is so spiritual, you look at yourself and say, man, I could never do that. I could never pray that way. I can never be as holy as they are holy. Do you know what I'm saying? And so in your mind, you start thinking, prayer's not for me. Because I can't pray like George. First of all, be glad you can't pray like George. My wife is constantly correcting my speech because, you know, I'm from the South. I don't speak right. Y'all speak good up here. And so you don't want to pray like I do because I pray like some guy from the South. So my speaking is messed up. But seriously, though, is it not that God doesn't hear our words as much as he hears our hearts? And some of the greatest prayers that have ever been uttered have been the simple prayers, not eloquent prayers. And we're going to see that in a moment, what Jesus has to say about that. See, the struggle is, is we don't understand the privilege. We think of it as some religious exercise. We don't realize that it's simply communicating with the God of this universe. And number two, we're so guided by faults concept of what we should say, how we should say it. But the reality is, for instance, some people say, well, you go, I remember one time, <laughs> Lori's, we were working with the youth group in Lori's home church down in Indiana County, and I prayed at the end of the youth group time, and I did, all I said was amen. I didn't even say in Jesus' name. First of all, it doesn't tell you to pray that with that saying. And a girl came up, she was 17 years old, she came up and she confronted me and told me, you got to realize, I'm 27, here's a 17-year-old coming up to me and she says, God's not going to answer your prayer. Why? You didn't pray in Jesus' name. And whatever you ask in Jesus' name, he'll do you. Really? That's a false concept of prayer. It's not the sayings that we say, it's the heart. You understand? So that's our struggle. So what do we do about that, George? Well, why don't we look at what Jesus says? We're just going to focus on four verses. Verses 5 through 8 of Matthew. We're going to talk today about the proper motivation in praying. Next week, we're going to look at how to pray. 
when he gives us the model prayer. So look with me, first of all, verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues or on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to basically divide these four verses into two sections. We're going to look at verse 1 and talk about hypocritical prayers. That's in verse 5. And then we're going to talk about praying properly in verses 6 through 8. So let's talk about hypocritical prayers. I think you should know that the word hypocrites there can also be translated pretenders. Pretenders. We're talking about people who are pretending. And so the first thing I want you to see here is what Jesus is saying is that we're not to pray for the attention of others. You know, when I talk to people and they say to me, George, I don't really want to pray because I don't know how to pray or I'm intimidated for praying, you need to understand that the issue isn't what other people think about your prayers. Do you understand me? That's really not the issue. The issue isn't whether or not you're saying the right words. First of all, what do you mean by the right words? Who determined what the right words were? That's a false concept. You're not to be praying for the attention of others. You're not there to impress people with what you're saying. You're there to pray from your what? Heart. Did you understand what I'm saying? You're there to pray from your heart. You're not to be thinking about how people are going to take what you're saying. Because sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you folks, if you're truly praying from your heart, you might be surprised by what you what? Pray. Because sometimes when you pray, God may lead you to pray and give you the words to pray. Do you know what I'm saying? Because it comes from him. See, hypocritical prayers, they're, they're really interested in what people think about them. That's why, can I be honest with you, years ago in church, I remember being in church and being intimidated by these guys who would get up and, and they would wax eloquently in their prayers. And people would say, oh, boy, isn't he spiritual. Isn't he awesome? But then you realize how they lived later and that the prayers didn't really reflect who they, what, really were? That's a what, folks? Yeah, a pretender. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's a pretender. So, you know, the, the, the first thing you and I need to understand is we're not to pray for the attention of others. That's what Jesus is saying here. Look at what he says. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. What do you mean on the corner of the street? Love pray. First of all, don't do that in Kerwinsville. Don't go downtown by the snappies there and start praying out loud. Different culture. Do you understand? Because in their culture, listen to me, it's a Jewish culture, the center of their life was the, of their society was the temple. So it was very much a part of their life, of their lives to be religious in every aspect of their life. And so you would see people praying wherever. That was their culture. That's not the way it is in Kerwinsville, right? 
Not in Clearfield. So he's not talking about that, but what he's talking about is for you. How can we make this relevant for you and I? Look, when you pray, when we gather in times of prayer, or when you're called upon, don't worry about what other people are thinking. You just be who? You. That's reality. Look at the second thing he says here. Such praying will not be rewarded by God. Such praying will not be rewarded by God. That's what Jesus is saying here. Look at what he says there. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. They got what they wanted. They wanted the attention of other people, but they're not going to get it from God. Here, let me help you to understand what he's talking about here. You ever seen somebody do this? Maybe you've tried this with your spouse. It doesn't work, but maybe you've tried it, okay? You walk into the family room, and you wax eloquently like you're talking to your spouse, but you're really talking to everybody else in the room about what you want to see happen, what you want to see accomplished, what you want her to do. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you, your wife knows that you're not talking to her. You're actually talking to everybody else there. And let me just go ahead and tell you, she ain't going to do it. Do you know what I mean? In fact, she'll let you know later, you weren't talking to me, you were talking to them. Folks, God's the same way. If we're praying for the attention of others, we're not talking to God. That's not intimate, heartfelt conversation with God asking him to do something. You're more worried about what? What other people want, or what other people think, and what other people are determining from that. And, and, and Jesus says, you have your reward because you get the response you want from them. You're not getting a response from me because you thought you were praying to me, but you're not. Do you understand what I'm saying? We've been there, haven't we? Now again, don't try that with your spouse. Don't try that. It's not going to work. You'll get in trouble, okay? And if she's here today, she might say, well, listen, you heard what George said. Hypocritical prayers. So how do we pray? Look at the praying property. Look with me at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Sometimes this passage has been, go to your closet. Do you remember when they said, go in your closet? Some of you have done that. You had to move the shoes and, and you were in there with the clothes hanging down, praying on your face or whatever, because, you know, the passage said, go into the closet. That's what the King James says. Uh, just by the way, a closet in that day was a room off of the main room where they would make strategies. It wasn't where you hung clothes. So our new modern translations say, go into the room, a secret place. Go somewhere quietly by yourself and pray. What's the point here? If you're going to pray properly, here's what you need to be. Prayer must be primarily private between you and God. Prayer must be primarily private between you and God. Prayer is just you and God. It's where you meet with him and you talk with him. And for some of you, that private place is the shower. Some of you, it's the car. 
Some of you, it's getting up early in the morning and maybe it's a certain chair in the living room that you go and sit and you talk to God. Some of you, it's the trail. Maybe rails to trails, a certain spot where you talk to God. But it's primarily a time of prayer between who? You and God. Let me tell you what it's not. Your personal time with God is not praying for your meal in front of everybody. That's not your personal time. It's not praying in church with others. That's not personal. That's group time. Do you understand what I'm saying? But he's saying here, if you're going to pray, pray in private. If you're going to properly pray, pray in secret. Because when you're in secret praying, you're real. That's really what the issue is. Prayer, if you want to write this down, is being real with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Prayer is being real with God. Like, you ever notice when people pray here? Nobody prays like this. Lord, I've had a rotten week. Life's crumbling around me. Sometimes I don't even think you're there. Lord, do you hear me? Do you ever hear any of us when we pray in church? Nobody ever prays like that. You ever notice that? Nobody ever says, my week is stinking. The boss is breathing down my neck. I don't know what to do. And, and it's just terrible. Have you noticed that? We don't have those kind of real prayers in church, do we? In fact, if anybody prayed like that, the rest of us would look at him with our jaws hanging open. I can't believe he prayed that way. That's why prayers are private. So you can be real. You say, George, are you serious? You mean I can be real with God? Are you sure? Have you read the Psalms? The Psalms are prayers, aren't they? God, where are you? My enemies are coming after me. They're wanting my life, Lord. Where are you? The reality is, the reality is, is that prayer is to be private between you and God. Here's the other thing. Genuine personal prayer will be rewarded by God. Look at what he says there. And your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Genuine personal prayer will be rewarded. Now let me just stop for a moment. What do I mean by that, rewarded? That doesn't mean he's going to give you everything you ask for. Let me just go ahead and tell you that right now. It doesn't mean you're going to get everything you ask for. But the reward is something so much more than that. What do you mean, George? Well, you, you won't believe how many times that we have, we have gone through difficult situations in, in ministry and in our, in our marriage, uh, where we were facing difficult circumstances beyond our control. And, and I would go to God and I would pray and I would ask Him for wisdom. I would ask Him to show us what we need to do. God, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And God would never tell me, this is what you need to do. In fact, God would never say, this is what's coming down the pike. Get ready. But what I did have is peace. An overwhelming sense that he's with me. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. That's a reward. Do you know what I mean? That will carry you through the next day. 
that God is with you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I can face what's coming. I don't know what's coming. And I'll be honest with you. As I think back, I think back when we left our first church and I was praying those kind of prayers. I'm glad he didn't tell me. I would have hightailed it out of there. You know what I'm saying? I would have thrown in a towel. I would have been gone. Because I couldn't have handled it. But it was enough to be rewarded with his presence. See, this is a genuine prayer is private between you and God. And genuine personal prayer, Jesus is saying, will be rewarded by God. So let me ask you a question before we go on to the next couple things. Why aren't you praying? Well, you know, George, I, you know, I, I, we're blowing away all the false concepts, okay? We're, we're blowing away worrying about what other people think. It's, it's just you and God talking to God. Why aren't you praying? You want a deep, meaningful relationship with God? You want to sense His love in your life? You want to know Him? You gotta to talk to Him. You can't have a relationship without communication. Do you know what I mean? You gotta to talk to each other. And the blessings from that. Do you know what I mean? I mean, think about it for a moment. Some of you have been married for a long time here. You know, Lori and I have been married now. It's been uh, 22 years, okay? And, uh, you know, I think back to 23 years ago when when, uh, she caught my attention and we were sparking each other. and, and, And I would talk to her. She would call me at my office. And I would drop everything. Now, she calls me now. I'll talk to you later. I'll hang up now. But uh, uh, I'm busy, you know. But then I wasn't busy. Why? Because talking to her made my day. Talking to her floated my moon. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Do you remember that? Some of you are smiling. You remember that. Do you, know, do you understand what I'm saying? Because there was a relationship there. Why, why, aren't, why aren't you praying? The God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you. Here's the second thing Jesus says to help us to understand how to pray properly. Prayer must not be marked by ritualistic overtalk. Prayer must not be marked by ritualistic overtalk. Look at what he says here. And when you pray, do not use the vain repetition as the heathen, or it should be, actual translation is Gentiles. The word is Gentiles. The translators translated heathen. Do not use vain repetition as the Gentiles do or the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. What's he trying to get at? It's personal. You don't need to get into this ritual of saying stuff. And how many times I hear people, you know, if I went up to Lori and I, and I was talking to Lori today and I said, Lori, let's talk about lunch today. You know, Lori, I, I just have this craving. I just have this craving, Lori. And Lori, I want you to do this. And Lori, I need you to do that. And Lori, can you make this meal for me? And Lori, Lori, would you do that? And Lori, make sure the kids are in. Lori, Lori, Lori. And I keep saying, Lord, isn't that how we pray? Lord, I want you to do this for me, Lord. Lord, I need you to do this. Lord, Lord, the vain repetitions that come out of our mouth, do we talk to each other like that? If I talked to Lori like that, she would slap me upside the head. 
You're talking to God. He's a person, a divine person. You're vain, repeating the same thing over again. And listen, sometimes isn't that how we are? Our prayers are being manipulated. We think, we strategize. I'm going to talk to God. This is what, how I'm going to say it. Do you think that's really going to grab his attention? You know, there's times when, when I talk with Lori, and I know I've got to talk with her, and, and so I'm sitting there, I'm planning it out of my mind. Well, if she says this, I'm going to say this. And, if, and I'm, going to, I'm going to bring it up this way. I'm going to present it this way. And she'll, she'll go along with it. But then when I see her, it's like, uh, uh. All, all, them, all that manipulative, vain, ritualistic overtalk doesn't get you anywhere in human relationships, does it? Why do we do it with God? Jesus is saying the same thing. When you pray, don't, don't be praying with this ritualistic overtalk. You're not going to accomplish anything. What do we do? Well, he follows it there with verse 8. Look at me. It's an interesting verse. Sometimes it's misused. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask them. What's he getting at here? Well, let me tell you how it's misrepresented. You'll hear people, oh, I don't ask anything of God because he tells us not to. No, that's not what he's saying here. In fact, in the model prayer that he's going to give us, that we're going to look at next week, he's actually going to ask you to ask him some things. What's his point here in this verse? Here's his point. Prayer is not asking, but a personal interaction with God. That's the point of prayer. Prayer is not what you get from God. Prayer is just simply meeting with God. Interacting with God. Having God touch your heart as you touch his heart. Did you understand what I'm saying? That, that's what the point is. See, here's the thing. You know, it's like God saying, it's, it's like saying, God, listen, listen to verse 8. I'll, I'll, I'll phrase it to you in a way that everybody here hopefully can understand. It's like God is saying through Jesus, when you come and talk to me, Let's not spend all our time talking about what you need. I already know that. I just want to spend time with you. Isn't that awesome? Did you know what I'm saying? God say, I want to spend time with you. Don't spend all your time talking about the stuff that's going on in your life. I just want to interact with you. Isn't that personal? That's what praying is. Forget all these false concepts. Forget all this stuff that you've seen in church all these years. Take it a step further. You're talking to the God of the universe who, folks, let me just be honest with you, gave you the privilege to come talk to him because his son died on the cross for you. And the writer of Hebrews says that because of Jesus, I could come boldly into his throne room and talk to him. That's reality. Thank you for being with us this morning. 
And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.